0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's that time of the week again for Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury, and as usual, I'm joined by my two bestest friends, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello and uh, good evening And of course Ali Johan, say hello Ali
2: Hey, good evening,
1: both of you As usual, a show in three parts today We've got some launches up at the top We've got a discussion about security risks for electric chargers Somewhere in the middle, that's a bit of a sandwich And then at the end, we've got a review It is the Aston Martin DBX 707 That one of us, lucky people, managed to test drive And I'm telling you now, it's not me or Ali (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> there we go. Right, what have we got for launches then, Ali?
2: This week, Toyota launched mid-sized MPV called the Innova Xenix. We've had Toyota Innova in the market before. And this is an upgraded version all around, Daniel.
0: Yes, If you mention the word Innova, everybody knows it. Hmm. Even kids know it because you know why? A lot of it are being used as uh, school transport. Yes.
1: That's a good point. Yes. Yes.
0: And it's actually a very, very, I would say, accommodating car because it's spacious. It sits high up. It makes a lot of sense for, you know, families that have extended relatives coming over because the center row is quite easy for elderly people to get in and out. I know because I'm elderly and, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's quite good for me to get in and out. Plus, it uses a tried and tested uh, drivetrain and platform system. So, running it after warranty is actually quite reasonable. So... The Toyota Innova has been a mainstay in Malaysia, designed and and manufactured for the ASEAN community. People in Burma, in Vietnam, in Thailand, in Indonesia, Malaysia, you know, this is what they want. A a people carrier, cheap and cheerful, reasonable power delivery, all the functions you need, plus safety features, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: you don't want anything too technical and too high-tech. So the Innova has also expanded its reach to Bangladesh, India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, and is doing very well. So now comes a brand new Innova. Now, this Innova has changed its name to Xenix. The reason why? I think because it's gone upmarket, it's gone a little bit more high-tech, it's gone a little bit more plush, I think they're trying to move away from the Innova name. And if you look at the specs on this, it's amazing. It's almost like, you know, the Alphard, for example, in terms of the seat, the comfort, the function, uh, the safety features and everything else now the last Innova that was on sale in Malaysia if I remember correctly I'm doing a check back out on DSF history it's about 122,000 ringgit and it had a two liter DOHC petrol dual VVT engine so it became more modern it had engine start stop it had a six-speed automatic, 137 horsepower, 183 newton meters of torque. You know, seven people could sit comfortably. It had rear air with vents and everything, multifunction steering wheel. I mean, it was, it was plush, you know? But it yeah. was still an Innova. So now comes a brand new Innova. And this was an earlier launch in Indonesia and India, and it did so well. It was selling really well. So when you move up like this, There'll be some people that, you know, that mindset will say, oh, Innova, cheap car, you know? Mm. But if I use the word Zenix, huh. suddenly, hey, okay lah, you know, it's a new it model. It sounds new, it sounds modern. Yes, and then the price, this is the shocking part. The price from what it used to be below 130000 now this 2-liter Innova Xenix, price starts from 165000 and then the hybrid goes up to 202000 guys. Wow. Big jump. Engine, of course, more powerful, 174 uh, horsepower, 205 newton meters. So it's gone way more modern to keep up with, you know, global standards and everything else. If you look at the shape, doesn't it look like a Corolla Cross that has been muscular?
1: It does a little bit, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. You
0: know, the Corolla Cross went to the gym, pumped some iron, took some steroids, <laughs> you know. But how many people are willing to pay this kind of price? $202,000. I think. People can swallow because it's like 30,000 more and you've got so much more going for it, you know. But to go to 200,000, I think that's going to be a little bit hard to swallow for a lot of Malaysians because of our grey market. If you're looking for a family vehicle and then suddenly you see 202,000, you know, I can get a three-year-old Alphard for that, you know. You know, that's what mm. people say. Plus, you've got the competitor, uh, which is about 20,000, 30,000 cheaper, the Proton X90, which is a three-row also got a lot of features, a lot of uh, tech, and also three rows of seating, which is quite comfortable. And it looks fairly decent. Yes, yes. yes. So if you had a choice, if you had a choice between a 202,000 high-spec Xenix and a Proton X90 for about 170000 that 30,000 difference, that's that's the deciding factor. Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's, you know, the X90, it's local, you know, And the Toyota is Toyota. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Ah, interesting then. Oh, well. Next up.
2: Next up, we have BMW. Uh, They have finally revealed the pricing and the spec for their luxury electric flagship, which is the... I seven In Malaysia, we're only going to receive one variant of this uh, EV, uh, the Electrified 7 Series. It is the i7 X-Drive 60M Sport. And Daniel, what is the price and the specs for this? This is the shocking part. You see, this
0: car, the direct competitor is the Mercedes EQS electric car, which was launched just maybe, I think, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, right? Mm. Mm. And the driving distance, the power output, all, you know, very close, all here and there about the same. The funny thing is, this car was launched at a price that is sixty thousand less than the Mercedes. Ha! Huh. The price is seven hundred twenty-nine thousand eight hundred. Now sixty thousand at this level, you know, at this earning power, this demographic, not a big thing. But it makes a difference still because why? The average person who's buying it will say, "Now power delivery about the same, driving distance about the same." You know, I'm not going to charge it. My driver is going to charge it. You know, but it's more about what you get for the car and BMW has done something i would say a little bit magical because if you look at the interior pictures you look at that rear cabin space yeah do you notice there are screens on the door handle rear door handle aha uh-huh. yeah now, yeah now why do you need screens on the rear door handle when you got that huge tv screen in the middle <laughs> that's a very good point what do they do what purpose do they serve Instead of having buttons and knobs to scroll and, and use the big screen, you use the touchscreen panel on the handrest. So you
1: don't lose your remote control. Yes. In the you know, gigantic backspace. Exactly.
0: So you have this whole movie experience. You can watch your best movie. You can, you know, ah. scroll the news channel. But listen, this is a car. <laughs> I'm starting to think what's wrong with car manufacturers starting to install all this and you know it's also got a gaming software which you can you can download onto the screen and you can play now you know they're putting all this in here and it's an electric car what they're saying is uh, you know when you go and charge you gotta wait a long time right I give you some <laughs> entertainment line, you know <laughs> Because you can sit in the car and enjoy the AC and the gaming experience and everything else or watch a movie.
1: I think most people are likely to be looking at uh, Excel spreadsheets in the back of that thing, though.
0: Yes, you know, business people. But it's become really, really weird that car manufacturers will start. I mean, this screen is way too big. It's big. I think it's just way too big. And, you know, having those things on the door handle. Can you imagine every time you're going to grab the door handle, your palm is going to be sitting on it. You might accidentally move something, you know? so some specs on this car it's got an output of 544 horsepower 795 newton meters of torque that's a lot of power this big huge vehicle it's huge okay that's a zero to 100 sprint in 4.7 seconds okay you can go up to 600 kilometers best case when it's fully charged um, depends you know how happens and then um DC fast charging takes about 34 minutes, you know, that's what they they estimate. So it's it's got a lot of tech, wonderful, wonderful looking um, cabin. On the exterior, uh, a lot of people commented on the large grille and the slim lights. Initially, I was also like them, you know, commenting and saying, oh, you know, this is a little bit weird, it's no longer BMW. But now when I see it on the road, I've seen a few on the road, I kind of like it. I think I saw one today, you know. Hmm. Mm. Yeah.
2: How did the previous i7 do in Malaysia, Daniel?
0: I think it did quite well. Uh, I don't see many on the road. It would have done It would have done reasonably well. I mean, you know, you, you must also understand it came out, you know, at the height of COVID. Yeah. And there was delivery issues and the chip issues and everything else. So, estimate of how many on the road, I think, is not fair. But with this new one, I think you'll see quite a number moving on the road. Just like you've seen quite a number of the new Mercedes EQS on the road. Yeah, mm. yeah.
2: Now
1: then, what have we got?
2: Let's look at the global headlines for a little bit. Um, Lexus have also announced uh, a small SUV. And, you know, on the show, we've been talking a lot about all these car manufacturers producing small compact SUVs. Lexus has jumped on it as well. Not that they have not had something like this before, but this one is quite unique. Uh, It's a small SUV called the LBX. um, And it could be the perfect rival to BMW X1 and the Audi Q2.
0: Now, if you look at it, do you see anything that says Lexus? Anything that says, hey, I'm a Lexus? If you, if you didn't see the badge? Uh, no. Exactly. I don't see anything that defines that it's a Lexus. On top of that, even if you look at the rear, the rear is completely unusual, you know, except for the Have they got line. new designers? I think they're using the same designers. But the thing is, you know, some weeks ago, we talked about the new Lexus GX and TX. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: big SUVs. You notice they were boxy, you know, Mercedes G-Wagon-ish, you know. And then you get this one that's so curvaceous from the front to the rear and then a little rump at the back and, you know, the flat arches and the streamlined lights that go upwards. I mean, it's a totally different departure from what they've been doing in the last few years. If you look at it, it's really small. Really, really small. So it's almost like the Mazda CX-3 size. Cute. And that's small. Yeah. So I think Lexus is saying, hey, you know, there's there's a growing trend across the world, for people to want small cars. Small cars, but yet they want crossovers. So they want, you know, the wheel archers, the big wheels, the slightly raised stance. but it doesn't have to be four-wheel drive. And Lexus said, hey, we can do it. But they're competing with the Volvo EX30 that just came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're working with a whole, whole bunch of Mazdas. And you know, Mazda quality has gone up in terms of cabin. So they're closing the gap with Lexus. Then, of course, you've got all the other brands you know, who've come up with little small crossovers. So it's going to be a tough market. And okay, it's it's a nice looking vehicle, but I don't think it's going to do all that well. Because I think the person who buys a Lexus wants a big Lexus. They want something commanding, yeah. big SUV or a big sedan, not yeah. something small.
1: The Volvo EX30 outlooks it, if you, if, in my opinion anyway.
0: Mm, yeah. The fact that it's a Lexus is going to be a premium price. So at a premium price, it's going to be tough. You know, you've got BMW X1 there. You've got Mercedes with the GLA. You've got Audi with the Q2. Mm. Then you even got Volkswagen coming in with the, with the small SUVs, you know, the T-Roc and all. So it's going to be tough. Not only the Japanese are going to be against them, they also got European manufacturers. And then you've got a whole bunch of Chinese car manufacturers coming in also.
1: So, before we take a break, um, we have, uh, well, they're those cars that take up most of the road sometimes, (laughs) and generally parking places.
2: Yes, the Alphard and Velfire by Toyota, popular people mover in Malaysia. Now, after years of having the same spec and look, they get a new upgrade, which is the 4th Gen. Alpha and Valfire And what's new here is It's got a new chassis yep. And the Alpha comes in a 2.5 litre engine Also with a parallel hybrid system That's new uh, Valfire with a 2.4 litre turbo engine As well as a parallel hybrid system Both have 4 wheel drive variants uh, And it's got a new layout If you can see from the photos They've made this universal step It's easier for small children and the elderly To get in and out of the vehicle But the prices What are the prices? So, the prices have gone up, and the reason why the prices have gone up is very simple. Globally,
0: everybody is, has moved their prices up logistics, parts, manufacturing, labor, and, and whatever. So, with this new Toyota Alpha and Wellfire, the prices in Japan have gone up by about 10% or so. It starts from 177,000 ringgit. That's the price. But if you add the tax and the duties and the logistics and the transportation and everything else, I'm sure it'll breach 400,000 when it arrives here. Brand new. The reconditioned cars, when I say the reconditioned, means the used ones that come in under the AP holders, will probably start trickling in in the next two years because you got to wait one year. Okay? Mm. Now, in Japan, they're saying, Toyota is saying that they will be, they'll be producing about 8,500 units per month of both vehicles. I think... They'll have to double it. Because looking at how this car looks, how this MPV looks, Malaysians will be waiting to buy the the used ones. Mm -hmm. So I think the price will definitely go up. Now, for the Toyota Alpha, there's always a sportier version called the Velfire, right? Mm. So that one, the price also has gone up from Malaysian 215,000 to 292,000 ringgit. Wow. Okay. So again, I think, you know... Brand new, it'll go up to almost 500 550,000. Don't worry, the second-hand ones will come in very soon.
1: Uh, Folks, we'll be right back after these messages, of course. We're having a bit of a discussion when we come back about the security risks for electric car chargers. Stay safe. We'll be back after these messages here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. FM 89.9 The Business Station Welcome back to Cruise Control A show in three parts About cars And stuff associated with it We've had some news On some launches The BMW i7 The Toyota Innova Xenix The Lexus LBX, The fourth generation Alphard And Velfire Now Security risks Rising security risks For electric vehicle chargers About them getting hacked
0: What's all this about Daniel? Okay Um i'm not a techie i don't understand some of these things but you know i remember some time ago people saying that you know if because i used to travel you know now i don't travel so much they say when you travel don't use public charging for your smartphone and your laptop simply because people can hack through the socket is that true or richard
1: um Yes and no, it has to be a very specialized socket, and it has to be in a in a place that is inaccessible by most people. The one right. thing I'd be most worried about is using public Wi-Fi. That's something you should be cautious of.
0: Okay, so you know we know about we we have read about all this, but you know, I took the precaution of not using any 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 uh, public uh, charging facilities. But I still saw a lot of people using, it and they're not bothered, and nobody seems to be complaining. Then came. Of course, electric cars and the big electric car movement and everything else, and a lot of companies from overseas tech companies share information with us with the hope that we'll publish publish it and you know give them credit and all that. So I was reading through, and it says that you know there is a rising security because um, EVs, just like smartphones and, and laptops, when you char- go to a public charging and you charge it, if someone has hacked into the, the the charging system, they can actually get into your vehicle and take control of the vehicle okay. Okay. Uh, whether it's true or not, you know, we've, we've seen movies about this, but we don't know whether it's true or not. So I said, okay, you know, it's fine that you share this information for me, but, you know, I can't really publish it until I verify some of the information. So I did a bit of digging around for a few days. Once in a while, when I remember, I'll just, you know, go and Google and check. And there were other articles given by professional tech agencies and consulting firms. Huh. And they were asking people who produce these chargers, uh, the smaller producers, not the big guys, because apparently the big guys have locked in some software and everything else. And, you know, they, 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 they're supposed to look into this kind of work. But the smaller manufacturers, a lot of them coming out of China, a lot of them coming out of smaller European nations, smaller European companies, they don't have this, this software. And even if you go to certain places, like say um, uh, coffee shops or little offices, or little companies who provide wall box charging, you know, like the ones you have at home, that mm. has got no protection at all. So it's it's risky, like, for example, the person who provides it actually could be at the back end with the software trying to hack into your car or your electric car. That's what they're saying. So I decided to publish this because there was enough articles online to say that, you know, there could be an issue. But no one in Malaysia has come up to say, yes, our, our charges are you know, um, free of any kind of, you know, issue in terms of people trying to hack and all that, you know, hack free. So what do you think?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I think if you're admitting to it being hack free or unhackable, Mm -hmm. um, if somebody does hack it, then suddenly your PR is going to be horrendous, right? There's no way of backing down from that in the same way that, you wouldn't come forward and say uh, our thing is vulnerable. Um, I don't want to say that
0: because they want the business to run.
1: Correct, correct. I don't know. I mean, it sounds plausible, I guess, but in the same way that you would take stuff out of an ATM, right? And, you know, we've been taught to check the ATM to make sure it's not wiggly and all of that kind of stuff. If they're using that similar kind of tech here, um, I I could see how it could be something dangerous. but. I'm guessing these things must be expensive, the software behind it. I don't know.
0: That's the thing, because when I spoke to one of the EV charging uh, suppliers, you know, on the phone he's telling me, you know, there shouldn't be an issue, Malaysia doesn't have... I said, you know, people are hacking to phones, people are hacking to bank accounts, you know. Yeah. Uh, What's to stop them? I said, it might not be Malaysians doing it, it could be someone from overseas, or it could be a Malaysian hiring an overseas hacker to do it, you know. Could be. And we've heard we've heard issues in America where all kinds of things have been hacked. You know, the national grid, for example, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's just how much money can be obtained from it. Now, to hack into someone's electric car, I don't think they're going to make a lot of money. Lah, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not a big deal. Lah, unless they're trying to steal electricity back. But even if they want to steal electricity back, like say every kilowatt you are charging, they are taking a kilowatt from you. The thing is and, we, unless we are
1: Unless it's a, a, a PR thing for anti-hacking devices by somebody.
0: Maybe, maybe. But, you know, at the moment, our electricity is all, all you know, relatively cheap. So, I don't think anyone wants to really get into all this right now. Mm. But it'll yeah. be interesting to see whether the companies that actually have the software to prevent hacking will come out and say, hey, our charges are hack-proof, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe, I'm, interested. I'm interested to see where this goes.
0: Uh, maybe after this show they will do that. <laughs> you heard it here first.
1: Yes, well, th- there have been examples of this actually happening, then have they, outside of Malaysia?
0: Outside of Malaysia, yes, but is it very, I is isolated cases? You know, like uh, public charging areas where um, there's a little convenience store there, or there's a little you know coffee shop or something there, and it all started from that premise. Because why? That the person who's running that place or someone working there can easily install the software because everything goes through that premise, you know? Mm. Mm. You know, you have to go buy your credits or whatever from them.
1: Interesting. All right then, folks. There we have. If you've got any comments on that, if you've heard about this, uh, let us know. Get us via WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. We are on Twitter, of course, at BFM Radio. Time for a short break and when we come back, it's Daniel. He managed to sit down in a very posh car. Um, He got the Aston Martin DBX 707. And not quite 007, but it's not there yet. We'll be right back. Oh, <laughs> you're on cruise control. BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, the business station We're into the third and final act of today's show It's a car review It's an Aston Martin And it's the DBX 707 Who
0: let you loose on this thing, Daniel? Before I tell you who let me loose Can I ask you a question? Have you seen one on the road? I have not, no Ali? No, actually Richard you live in Bangsa, the way all the expensive <laughs> cars
1: are. I I see the Maserati around here but I'm not seeing Aston Martin oh
0: so you see the Maserati you see the Porsche yes. but you don't I've see
1: I've seen the, the Porsche but not but the But you don't uh, see the, the Aston, Aston Martin. Martin no no uh,
0: what <laughs> a shame old watch. chap
1: yes yeah. yes yes indeed
0: anyway this Aston Martin DBX was launched actually a few years ago and it was Aston Martin's first ever SUV if you remember Aston Martin for the for the longest time only built two door sports cars right years. Then they came out with the Rapid which was a four-door Aston Martin and that ooh, that turned a lot of heads because why? Aston Martin said, hey, you know, some of our our people are having children, some of our customers are getting more than two children, they need something bigger. So please don't go and buy another brand, buy an Aston Martin, so we give <laughs> you the Rapid. <laughs> then that sold pretty well, it went around and then everybody wants an SUV, you know? So maybe yeah. the sports the Aston Martin sports car owner says, hey, my wife wants an SUV I have to go and buy another brand. And Aston Martin said, "No, no, no, wait, 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 wait! I give you a DBX." So they came out a DBX. Now I think this is a really awesome-looking vehicle. In terms of, I design. don't disagree. It looks yeah. very nice. I think the Aston Martin designers, boom, spot on. They got something aggressive, stylish, premium-looking, and it says, you know, I'm I'm different. I'm unusual, you know. Mm-hmm. But still, why is it not on the road?
1: I'm guessing it's because we don't have that many and it's very expensive.
0: Yes, it's very expensive. So, when the first DBX came out, the first version of the DBX came out, they sold a handful, really a handful, not many. Uh, it was just below a million ringgit tax-free. After Whoa. taxes, it goes past two million ringgit. So, when you go to that level, you got cars like the Lamborghini Urus to play with. Mm-hmm. you got the Bentley Bentayaga. Mm-hmm. Then you got the high-end AMG Benzers and the high-end BMW SUVs, okay? Mm. But still, they're all around, you know, 1.5, 1.6 million uh, landed. And then you got Range Rover, which was previously 1.4 million landed, you know? Mm -hmm. So people always said, oh, maybe I'll buy one of those. But after I drove it, and after I shared the pictures with a few of my friends, some of them even didn't know that the DBX existed, the actual DBX SUV existed. And I said, yeah, yeah, it's been around for a few years. Really? Launched already, you know? So now comes the DBX 707, which is not a facelift, but a little bit of an improvement in many areas for the Aston Martin DBX. Why did they improve? Do you know Aston Martin is not actively involved in Formula One?
1: I I did not know that.
0: Mm. So by being involved in Formula One, they have a lot of Formula One technology that they could put into their vehicles to get it to the next level. You get what I mean or not? Yeah, yeah. So, this is why the DBX has been improved. So, with the improvement comes the name 707, so that people can understand that this is an improved model, not a facelift. I would say not a facelift because on the exterior, all you see is a new set of wheels. Yeah. So, if you look at the price in Malaysia, if you look realistically at its competitors, it's just the Lamborghini Urus, which is already six, seven years old, the Bentley Bentayga which has just been upgraded and, and refined and everything else, which is about the same price, and the slightly more expensive Rolls-Royce Cullinan.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: We all know Rolls-Royce is Rolls-Royce-like. You know, and there's, there's no question about, should I buy a Rolls-Royce or something else, you know? Mm, mm. But we all know that the Cullinan looks like a hearse. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get an agreement on that? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But we know vehicles like this that carry people, they're not going to carry seven, six, eight, nine, ten people, you know? Mm. It's always just a driver and two, driver bodyguard and two. That's it, maximum four. You'll never see five. Whether you're in a Lamborghini Urus, Bentley Bentiaga, Rolls Royce Cullinan, or an Aston Martin, it's always going to be maximum four. That's a fact, okay? Yeah. But if you're on the road in, in, you know, maybe the more exclusive areas in, in KL, when you see these cars coming around, a Bentley or a Lamborghini or ah. even a Jaguar or a high-end Merce or, or BMW, you will notice that a lot of times they're actually being driven by the owner. That's true, yeah. You know, because these are owners, they may have a driver, but when they take these vehicles out they will be driving it either the wife or the husband will be driving mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. unless they're going for like a dinner or something where they need a the driver to you know sit in the car and wait if they're doing that they'll use their alfa or wellfair you know mm-hmm. this is this is roughly my observation but with a rolls royce cullinan you'll not see the person driving it the owner will that's not true. be driving it yeah
1: yeah
0: because it just it just doesn't work that way you know it's a rolls royce you want to see it's sit a rolls royce you yeah. do not drive your own rolls royce you know that's right yes yes maybe once or twice yeah maybe when you're your chauffeur is sick and you have to drive him because he has to sit you the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, most, most of the time, it's, it's it's being driven. So let's put the Rolls-Royce out of this equation and just look at the current competitors, the Urus, the Bentayaga. And this makes the Aston Martin really unique because the other two... No doubt they're fast, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're luxurious and everything else. But the Aston Martin has got some kind of pedigree which I can't explain.
1: It's it's a little bit of James Bond. It's like James Bond meets Mission Impossible.
0: You're about right. Mm. You know, there's just something about driving an Aston Martin that, you know, I, I, can't, I can't get into the car with a T-shirt. I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when you get a car from Aston Martin, Kuala Lumpur, they can only give it to you for a day because these cars are very very expensive and very exclusive on the road this car has got presence this car has got so much presence you'll not believe even the insignia the the Aston Martin logo the same people have been making it since day 1 you know yeah you know it's, it's just so classy and when you sit in the seat you know you, you you don't get that that real leathery smell you get a nice nice waft of Quality leather, you know? Uh-huh. I don't know how to explain it. You guys need to go to the showroom and experience it, you know? By the way, if you go to the showroom, they'll give you a free cup of coffee. And so I got into this car, I drove it, snaking out of the showroom right in the center of town, you know, heavy traffic. People actually make way for you. Ah, uh, they get out of your way. I think it's because they've never seen this car, they've never seen enough on the road. They, they get interested, like, oh, what is this? You know. And then you hear it. The engine rumbles. This is an engine that rumbles even from idle. And you don't have to put it in sports mode or, or you know, high, high performance mode to get the rumble. From even, you know, um, normal driving mode, the rumble starts. So you know it's a performance vehicle. And here's the best part. Aston Martin are bold enough to say, fastest SUV in the world. And this even includes the electric powered SUVs right now. Because, you know, electric cars are really fast. Yeah. Okay. So they've got the tagline "fastest SUV in the world." I don't know how long they can hold on to it, but I guess you know it's they can make it slightly faster because of their F one involvement.
1: Sorry, when they say fastest, do they mean fastest top speed or fastest zero to hundred?
0: Zero to hundred. Okay. Okay. So seven hundred and seven horsepower doesn't sound like a lot, but it's got nine hundred newton meters of torque. So the fact that it's got seven hundred and seven horsepower—that's why the name DBX seven hundred seven. Okay. The 0 to 100 is done in 3.3 seconds without any effort. What the heck? 3.3 seconds. And I tested it twice on a little bit of open road that I could find. And it just, boom. And you know, when, when you get that kind of power, plus you get this really throaty acoustic noise coming from the, not from the exhaust, from the engine. That means the engine mm. is saying, go, take <laughs> me. It's not the exhaust just spitting out smoke. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I've added a video in my review. And if you watch the video, you can listen to the exhaust rumble and you can listen to the engine rumble. You know? So Aston Martin has ticked all the right boxes in terms of giving a really entertaining SUV. Only problem is, only problem is, we can't afford it. Ever. And a lot of people out there can't afford it. Because even if you take it to Langkawi and park it there for a couple of years and bring it back, it's going to cost more than a million ringgit. Because the price before taxes is 1,188,000 ringgit. Oh, wow. That's the only disappointing part of this vehicle. Apart from that, you cannot find anything Anything that you're not happy with. There's no like, oh, you know, it's got a blind spot. Oh, it's sitting too high. Oh, you know, the leather is not good enough. Oh, the sound system. Everything is superb. They've taken the the point to to tick all the boxes, maintaining the fact that it's the fastest SUV. This is probably the best looking, most luxurious, super SUV available right now.
1: Did they pay you to say
0: that? They gave me a free cup of coffee, dude.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you're being honest. Yes.
0: And you know people like Aston Martin, they don't they don't advertise, you know, because Yeah. Yeah, yeah Aston Martinla, you know. Aston,
1: they don't need to. They don't need yeah, to. You
0: know, and they're right in the heart of town, big showroom mm. and everything else. You you look at this car in the flesh, it's just there's just jewelry all around it, from the badge to the, for the to the name, to the lettering, everything.
1: Do you think if me and Ali just, you know, turn up at the showroom one day and said, "Can we test drive it?" They they'd let us test drive it.
0: Um I think Ali they will allow you don't have license, my friend.
1: I, I'm I'm happy to sit there. <laughs> I am happy to sit there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> One thing I noticed about these luxury car makers nowadays, you can mm. even walk in with slippers, uh, and they'll and they'll entertain you because they don't know who's got money, who doesn't have. That's,
1: that's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: You know. Yeah. So All Aston right. Martin DBX seven o seven, world's fastest SUV, just above a million ringgit tax free. Um, you can park it in Langkawi. They'll do the parking for you. They'll store it for you in a beautiful location. After a couple of years, you can bring it back, lower your tax if you want to save a bit of money, but. I always think someone who can already buy an Aston Martin will not look into all the saving money, you know. They'll just pay out, you know. care
1: about that, will they?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, Daniel. You're welcome. Folks, if you missed any part of this show, of course, uh, you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store, Google Play. You can visit it online, all that kind of stuff. A show in three parts today. We started off with some launches: uh, The BMW i7, the Toyota Innova Xenix, the Lexus LBX, and fourth-generation Alpha and Velfire were revealed. We then had a little bit of a chat about security risks for electric car chargers. Wrapping up, of course, with that review of the Aston Martin DBX 707. We'll be back same time, same place next week here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.